Welcome to The Well Podcast. We pray that this message ministers to you and blesses you as you listen. Good morning. Uh, I believe that God's really going to move through that. We've been, prayed, been praying for Braden. For a while, but we're continuing to strike the ground. I just really, really believe that. I think um, I always like to uh, pull out the fallacies and the untruths of what we've been taught over the years. And one of those being, well, if you've already prayed for it, you don't need to pray again. That shows a lack of faith. And I just, I don't believe that that's full in scripture. Um, I think that uh, we continue to strike the ground looking for victory and we can go from prayer into thanksgiving and thanking him for answering the prayer and believing that the prayer is on the way and not believing that there are any hindrances that are keeping that prayer from being accomplished, the will of God. And so we're going to continue to stand on that. And um, I think it's significant to say this morning in pre-service prayer, I, uh, as we were praying I ask God to use our children today, that they would be an example to us. And so I'm really glad that you shared, Kim, because not only were they worshiping this morning with those flags were flying, and it's a beautiful thing because uh, they don't carry the weight that sometimes we come in with. And I believe that that's warfare, that they're coming against things that they have yet to understand or experience, but their worship and their... Uh, praise breaks through so that we can then break through in, in prayer as well. So I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful for the way God is moving in our children. I'm grateful for it. I love it. I love when I see them engaged in and reading the words on the screen to the songs that they don't know and their little mouths are moving and they're singing and they're letting it get into their spirit and their soul. And I'm just so extremely grateful for that. So thankful for that. So I'm going to pray. So Father, um, I need you. I need you right now. Holy Spirit, I just ask that you would move through me and that the words that uh, come forth are the words that you desire to come forth. You know the assignment. You know the agenda on this service. You know who's present and what they came seeking and in need of today. And so Father, may this uh, word go forth in power and in truth. May it be revelation and transformation, Father. May we not put limits on what you desire to do during this time together. I thank you for dwelling among us. I surrender my will to yours. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, so I have a passage of scripture that I want to read. Um, and uh, it's a fairly lengthy passage of Scripture. Um, and so, Tori, I was going to see if you would read it. Isaiah 54. And there's something else I'm going to do first. So if you want to look over it, you can do that. I'll give you a minute to prepare. Aren't I nice? Um. And then I need four adults that are willing to help me with something. Four adults. Anybody? Valerie, Jean, Linda. 
One more. Okay. Okay, come on up. <laughs> you can just stand right here. All right. Uh, the shortest, the shortest person. What your daughter said. Pick one. Oh, you're spelling the ground. Okay, sanctified. There you go. Okay, so what I want you to do is I want you to blow up the balloon. Let's see how long. Let's see how long it takes. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, blow them up. <laughs> there you go, cheer them on. Blow it up. How far do you want to blow up the balloon? How big do you want your balloon? How far do you want to blow it up? <laughs> yes, yeah, as far as you're going to blow it up? Okay, all right. Um, what's interesting... Um, I was hoping that somebody would go for it and really like blow it up till it burst. But one of the <laughs> one of the things I think I mentioned it last week. Y'all just stand here for a minute. Then I don't have to stand by myself. Um, uh, towards the end of the year, I um, and I shared some of this last week. But I began to feel this swelling um, in the in the atmosphere, in the spirit, a swelling. And so as I was asking God what that really meant, I heard Him say, "Expand." expand. And so it's something very interesting as you watched these four individual people attempt to blow up a balloon. Some of them, it was really easy for them to get that balloon going and the balloon expanded easily. In others, it was a challenge because if you let the air out of the balloon, you can let it out. Oh, did you tie it? Did you tie it? Did you all tie yours? Okay, Misty, let your... Oh, oh. So, so it's now had air in it, and what you didn't see is it's probably, what, three times as big as it was when I handed it to her. Um, but the interesting thing is that expansion doesn't happen easily. And here, so, blow it up again. <laughs> oh, it was easier. It was, it was easier for it to expand. And so um, I liken to think that this balloon represents our vessel. This is, this is us. And then what happens is the breath of God comes into our life, into our situation, into our circumstance. We call that the Ruach. The Ruach of God breathes into us. And when he does that, he wants us to expand now, it was not easy. Linda really struggled so much so she's like, I don't want y'all watching me blow up this struggle to blow up this balloon. Because <laughs> that's a real thing. Because when God wants to breathe into us, especially new things, it creates a struggle. And expansion is difficult. It doesn't feel good. And it's hard to accomplish. So if I had a title, Wade's going to appreciate this because for our podcast, he's about to get his notepad out. There he goes right there. He's going to write it down. 
So if you listen to our podcast, he's always like, well, what's the name of this message? So he's always looking for the name. So if I had one, I would say ascending and expanding. Okay, there you go. You can hang on to those or whatever you'd like to do. Okay, so for my little object lesson, I'm going to refer back to it, I'm sure, throughout my message. But, um, but as we expand, um, that is part of our process of ascending where God wants to take us. Now, Tori, will you come up? I didn't tell you what version. What version are you? NLT? Okay. That'll work. And I had Nathaniel put it up on New King James. So we'll have a lot of variety going on here. And I'm going to let you read it. Yeah. Yeah. No. All right. It says, future glory for Jerusalem. Sing, O childless woman, you you who have never given birth, break into loud and joyful song, O Jerusalem. You who have never been in labor, for the desolate woman now has more children than the woman who lives with her husband, says the Lord. Enlarge your house, build an addition, spread out your home, and spare no expense, for you will soon be bursting at the seams. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Sorry. Your descendants will occupy other nations and resettle the ruined cities. Fear not. You will no longer live in shame. Don't be afraid. There is no more disgrace for you. You will no longer remember the shame of your youth and the sorrows of widowhood. For your creator will be your husband, the Lord of heaven's armies is his name. He is your redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, the God of all the earth. For the Lord has called you back from your grief, as though you were a young wife abandoned by your husband, says your God. For a brief moment I abandoned you, but with great compassion I will take you back. In a burst of anger, I turned my face away for a little while. But with everlasting love, I will have compassion on you, says the Lord, your Redeemer. Just as I swore in the time of Noah that I would never again let a flood cover the earth, so now I swear that I will never again be angry and punish you. For the mountains may move and the hills disappear, but even then my faithful love for you will remain. My covenant of blessing will never be broken, says the Lord, who has mercy on you. O storm-battered city, troubled and desolate, I will rebuild you with precious jewels and make your foundations from lapis lazuli. I will make your towers of sparkling rubies, your gates of shining gems, and your walls of precious stones. I will teach all your children. They will enjoy great peace. You will be secure under a government that is just and fair. Your enemies will stay far away. You will live in peace, and terror will not come near. If any nation comes to fight you, it is not because I sent them. Whoever attacks you will go down in defeat. I have created the blacksmith who fans the coals beneath the forge and makes the weapons of destruction, and I have created the armies that destroy. But in the coming day, no weapon turned against you will succeed. You will silence every voice raised up to accuse you. These benefits are enjoyed by the servants of the Lord. Their vindication will come from me. I, the Lord, have spoken. 
Amen. <laughs> Thank you. That was a lot to ask for. <laughs> I appreciate it. I'm just going to throw some stuff at you so then I can share with you what God has. So if you're a note taker, I'll refer back to what I'm about to spew forth, and then um, I can do what I feel like God wants for today's service. So so um, last year, uh, I, I believe it was in April. I didn't go back and look at my journal, but I'm pretty sure it was in April. God gave me a vision, and I know I have mentioned it and mentioned it and mentioned it, but it's, it's because it's important. And um, he showed me a hiker. Now, Nathaniel, I know that there's a video um, that I gave you, but you don't have to show the video right now. But will you um, show the pictures? Okay. So, um, so the mountain of the Lord, when he said, ascend the mountain with me, the name of that mountain is Zion. It's in Psalm 24, and it talks about ascending the mountain of the Lord. Who shall ascend the mountain? And it goes on, and it gives some stipulations. Those who are clean hands and a pure heart, there's five or six stipulations about those that can ascend the mountain. So if you've ever been to Jerusalem, the mountain actually sits. It is a real place. Mount Zion is a real place. It, it exists, and it is called Zion. So anytime in Scripture where David, especially in the Psalms, he talks about the mountain of the Lord, he's referring to Zion. And that's important because it changes then your lens to which you read those passages of Scripture. You gain deeper understandings. I feel like this context is important for where I think God wants to take us. And trust me, at this moment you may be wondering, where are we going? And I'm kind of asking the Spirit the same thing. Like, it's all in here, and I just need to figure out what He wants you to know. So, um, so Zion in the Old Testament was a mountain. And it was the dwelling place of God. We have Zion in our service this morning. And your name means dwelling place of God. That's incredible. Not only that, but in the New Testament, we are a Zion. Because we are the dwelling place of God. That's crazy. So when he talks about us ascending with him to the higher places, anytime he mentions in Scripture going to the higher places, he's talking about ascending the mountain of the Lord. He's talking about ascending to higher places with him. Come up here. Come up here. He's always calling us higher. So we don't have to trek Zion necessarily, but we do in the spirit. But we don't do that in the physical because it is now our dwelling place as well. Zion dwells within us. And we are Zion, Zion, the dwelling place of the Lord. So Zion is a place of consecration and relationship with God. And I think it's, for me, a parallel, in a sense, between the ascending and the expanding. So I know that last week I shared about my struggle climbing the mountain when we were in Utah um, the week before last. And I shared with you the fact, and I'll, I'll 
Cliff notes it in the fact that we randomly picked Utah, which is not really a thing in a believer's life because our steps are ordered of the Lord, not recognizing that he was going to take us to Zion National Park. It still blows my mind, and I may tell you this story 16 times this year, but the reason that I share it is because he wanted me to see what he had been showing me in the Spirit. He wanted me to have a perspective of what it meant to climb a mountain and to actually climb. Now, it's not the Jewish Zion. It is not in Jerusalem. It's in Utah, Springdale, Utah. And the Mormons probably named Zion National Park because they saw how majestic it was. And so last week I talked about the Watchman Trail and us taking the Watchman Trail and the, and the struggle that that was. But there's this thing about climbing a mountain that he really, it didn't actually hit me until right before we left to go. And I thought, wow, he is taking me to the place that he has shown me in, in a vision. He's taking me there so that I fully can understand. And so that hopefully I can lead us to that place. Um, we were talking about this in pre-service prayer. And there, there is something that happens in the spirit when we all come together, we are spirit first. We are spirit first. Come to terms with that. Like we're not led by the flesh, but we are spirit first. And then this flesh is the shell that goes over us. I always say my spirit woman, anybody want to say what she does? She's just got red hair and she's like buff. And she's at least 5'9". <laughs> you don't have to laugh so hard. Anyway, <laughs> there you go, right? I mean, she's something. She's a force to be reckoned with. I'm a giant in the spirit. That's the way I feel. I'm a giant in the spirit. And so, um, so I have to lead with the spirit because my flesh wants to tell me one thing. And the spirit tells me something else about myself. And so I want to be led by that. Um. So, Nathaniel, I gave him a few pictures. You want to just kind of tap through? Is that difficult? Can you tap through? Okay. So, this is actually the Grand Canyon. We had an opportunity to go to the Grand Canyon. And the highest point here is on the top of that. It's called Guano Point, right? Um, it's up on the top of that mountain. And it's like a hill on top of the mountain. We actually went up there to the very top. I didn't, couldn't find the picture, but we, were, we went to the very top. And it's interesting because uh, I thought this was so cool, and I had to do it because I thought, I don't know when I'll ever get another chance. Through the fast, I was able to do our devotion, sitting right there on the side at the Grand Canyon. And the reason I wanted to do that because... He has called us to ascend the mountain of the Lord. He's calling us to go to higher places. And so it was, it was so interesting because the interesting thing you'll find out that I could tell you more about these pictures is that 
In our family of four, everybody looked at this at a di- from a different vantage point and a different perspective. And all four of us were calculating the risk depending upon where we were at. It was very interesting. So half of us was nervous about us walking on the edge of that, of the canyon, because there are no rails in this part of the canyon. But then one of us, me, got nervous when I got to the very top. And they were not. And I wasn't nervous to walk along the edge of it. The risk to me became greater as I got to the very top of that. But I'm going to use Wade as an example. He had calculated the risk. And he knew that if he fell from that spot, that he wouldn't fall all the way to the bottom of the canyon. He would just tumble down. But all I could see from up there was a wind. All it was going to take was a wind or a little slip of the foot. And there was nothing around me to protect me. And it became a place that was uncomfortable for me. So flip to the next one. So Wade's pointing. There we are. So much so, I mean, I don't have a big, loud voice. But whatever I said as we got to the very top of that hill on top of the Grand Canyon stirred another gentleman who was not far away. I think he was English. And he was coming to my aid, like through Wade and Nathaniel. He was like making a beeline to me to help me off the top of that hill. (laughs) Which was so funny to me. So it's like, I think they got it. But he was going to help me down out of that moment of danger. Wasn't that sweet? And I wanted to do it so bad. I wanted to go all the way to the top. It was a big deal for me. And I did put my feet on the very top of that thing. I didn't stay very long. And then I stepped back down just where I could feel the rock up against the back of my leg. And that made me feel safer. I can't explain all the reasons why all of those things were significant to me, but that was my experience. And it made me feel good. And and Nathaniel and Wade... um, we're so close by to make sure that I was going to be okay and to give me a hand as I needed it to move down the hill. And Sophie, Miss Adventurer, she wanted to climb to the top of every peak of every rock we could find, which about sent her brother and her father into panic mode and cardiac arrest. But there are those of us in the spirit that are like that. That shows us different vantage points and perspectives of where we all are. Some of us are like Sophie and we're like, I'm going to the very top. If there's a peak, I'm going to get up on it so that I can see everything. Molly's like, yes. And then there are others that calculate the risk. And it takes us a little bit longer to make it up that mountain. And we got to think through all the scenarios. Isn't it so much like there were children? Flip to the next picture. Oh, isn't that pretty? Amazing. Okay, next. We'll come back to that one. Next. Next. Okay, this is good. 
So do you see the arch in the back of that picture right there? We went on a trail that brought us to the very top of that arch on those, you can't hardly see them, but they're jagged rocks up on the very top. So we saw this. This was one vantage point that we saw one day. The next day, we found out that there was a trail you could take to get up there. And so we were like, we're going up there. This is Zion. This is Zion. It's beautiful. And we made it up to the top of that point. And Sophie was up on the tip top. But there were these kids, this age kids, that were running around there. Like, I could feel the anxiousness of the parents. There, cause there are no rails up there on those, nothing, to keep you off the And kids have a bit of a fearlessness where they're willing to take the risk to go, to do the things. And we're down here calculating the risk of going, oh if you do that, this could happen and this could happen. And there's wisdom in that at some degree. But also with God, we need to be like those kids that are fearless, that are willing to stand in the face of our Father and go as far as He wants to take us. Now, in the natural, calculating the risk of climbing that mountain is pretty significant. And, uh, well, Wade actually, this is, Wade's fault, Sophie Nathaniel, so y'all can talk to him later, but he told me last night I need to tell more stories. So, <laughs> so here we go. Um, is there another picture where we're actually on that one? Okay, so this is one of those. That's Sophie up there on the very peak of that little spot right there. And what was interesting is that I was standing right off to the side over here, and Nathaniel and Wade were standing down watching her as their protector, like, you know, praying, wishing she would come down, making them very nervous. And I was fine with her being up there for a while, but all of a sudden, I was like, okay, I'm ready for you to come down. Like, the longer she was up there, the more nervous I became. And I was like, come on down. I'm ready for you to be done now. And I wanted to go up there. Like, I wanted to go where she was, right there. And I could get over there on that, the right side by that bush. I was right there. But I just couldn't convince myself to get higher. I wanted to, though. I had the desire, but my legs were a little shaky. And I was like, I don't think my will is going to let me get that far up. And I think that's typical of us, too, in our walk with God, that there are some of us that we have desire to go, but we haven't quite grown in our expansion and our understanding that if we calculate the risk, that it's a win-win for us. Because the further we ascend that mountain, the more of him that we grow and expand in, the more of him that he's going to reveal himself to us. And the less of us that will be there, the less of that fear will be present in our life because we've come face to face with the Creator and we have continued to ascend that mountain. What's the next picture? So this was on our journey to the top of the mountain where that arch was. 
And, uh, you know, on our journey to ascend, as we grow in the things of God, we encounter obstacles and issues. It's not a straight climb. Like, we don't just go up the face of the mountain, typically. You can't just go up the face of the mountain, oftentimes. There are other obstacles that stand in our way. And this one, they had to put this little wooden bridge out on the edge of the mountain where there was no mountain in order for us to get across to continue our journey. So this was hanging off the side under this cliff that was hanging over our heads. I wanted to take that very quickly. So I waited till no one else was on it. And I said, get out of my way. <laughs> I'm coming. I'm going to go. But I just need no obstacles so that I can move past this part quickly. And that's what I did. I didn't want to waste any time on that part. But there are things and places as we grow in God and as we ascend with him that make us feel like that. There, there, he's put in places for us to continue to move in him, but we've got to decide to trust him. We have to make the decision that we're going to trust him. And we don't have to calculate the risk. When we got up on the top of that arch, did I, do I have another picture of the... Let's go back to that one with Sophie up on the... So there was this thing across the top of that arch. You can't see it in the picture because it's so far in the distance. Have you ever noticed, like, you know, and, and we did it. I mean, you take one picture and the mountain seems so far off in the distance that you get a little, and you take another picture and then a little closer and you take another picture and then before you know it, you're looking at it like this. Like, wow, that is a big piece of earth coming up out of the ground. And I think that vantage point is, is important. Like, I love the plane. I, I didn't include a picture of us in the plane, but Sophie, we flew over Hoover Dam on our way back in the Grand Canyon, and she was able to get a picture of Hoover Dam and the Grand Canyon. And from the top of it, you can see the whole layout of it because we were high enough to see it. And the risk was actually a lot less because we were in the plane, so to speak. Wade wasn't concerned I was going to fall off the edge. But it was interesting to be able to see the whole lay of the land. You know, there's a couple of things about these mountains as we face them. We can look at them as obstacles that stand in our way, or we can look at it as a place where God actually wants us to climb, to come closer to him, to grow us in who he's created us to be and what he has for us. In this process of expansion, he wants to expand our territory. He wants to expand. He wants to expand in our life. And the interesting thing about Isaiah 54 is that this begins the journey for the children of Israel to redemption. That God continues to remind them, although they've just gone through a struggle. I mean, they go through a lot of struggles, don't we know? We go through a lot of struggle. But what God does in Isaiah 54 is he reminds them of the promise. He reminds them of the covenant. He actually breaks covenant with them again, reminds them of the covenant that he has come into, that no weapon formed against them shall prosper, and any word that, that is risen up against them shall fail. That is his promise. 
That's his promise to us as well. And so interesting as this is, well, I was going to tell Nathaniel's story, but I guess I'm going to get to skip it. You get lucky today. I'll come back. But so interesting as this is, in Isaiah 54, it actually references a passage of Scripture in Galatians. Galatians chapter 4. Oh, Galatians has been speaking to me a lot lately. There's so much to glean from that. And in Galatians chapter 4, verses 19 through 31... It says, I gave it to you in the Passion Translation. Okay. It says, you are my dear children, but I agonize in spiritual labor pains once again until the anointed one will be fully formed in your hearts. So this is Paul saying, I'm agonizing with you because you have not fully understood who God is in your heart. You haven't fully grasped that. And so he's agonizing over this. And so he goes in to tell this story. How I wish I could be there in person and change my tone towards you, for I am truly dumbfounded over what you are doing. Because he's recognized that they're not living up to who they were created to be. That they're living in a place that that God never called them to. And so in verse 21 it says, Tell me, do you want to go back to living strictly by the law? Haven't you ever listened to what the law really says? Have you forgotten that Abraham had two sons? This is so good. One by a slave girl and the other by a free woman. Ishmael, the son of the slave girl, was born of the natural realm. How much are we given birth to in the natural realm of our own works and our own doing? But Isaac... The son of the free woman, Sarah, was born supernaturally by the Spirit. Abraham had a promise, a child of the promise of God. These two women and their sons express an allegory and become symbols of two covenants. The first covenant was born on Mount Sinai, another mountain. Let's just acknowledge that. Birthing children into slavery. That's Ishmael. Children born to Hagar. For Hagar represents the law given at Mount Sinai in Arabia. Mount Sinai would have been where Moses went to get the covenant. The Ten Commandments. In Hagar, the metaphor corresponds to the earthly Jerusalem today who is currently in bondage. In contrast, in verse 26, there is a heavenly Jerusalem above us, which is our true mother, Zion. Heavenly Jerusalem. She is the free woman birthing children into freedom. So Paul is showing that the law is a system of works that brings bondage. And that the promise is a system of grace that brings true freedom. For it is written in verse 27, Burst forth with gladness. Rejoice, O barren woman. This is out of Isaiah 54. We just talked about the barren woman, which would have been Sarah, but she had a promise. She had a promise of a child. With no children, break through with the shouts of joy and jubilee, for you are about to give birth. 
Does anybody have a promise? And I could feel that in the spirit this morning during worship. I don't know if you could feel it, but it's just I wanted to shout from the rooftops. I just wanted to exclaim and shout that if you're waiting on a promise, continue to believe for that thing. If God has given you a promise and the enemy is coming in, like a storm, like he wants to steal that promise, then stand on the promise that God has given you. His covenant, he, does, he is not a covenant breaker. We break covenant. We do that. We separate ourselves from his promises. He does not separate himself from the promise that he has made. We, he will be in covenant with us as long as we will be in covenant with him. And when we think it isn't, then that's when we have to remember that he won't fail. And if you didn't catch it this morning in worship, that was the declaration the whole time. He will not fail you. And it is a declaration of hope. And at some point in worship, which I was going to mention this earlier, and it happened last week too, there's a place where you get in your mind and in your spirit where the two align. And when that happens, there is... An alignment that takes place that elevates our location in the spirit. We ascend a little bit higher. And what is accomplished there is even greater. Because it is without the distraction. Now, each one of us, it takes us longer to get there. And some of us get there and we say, okay, that's enough. And I'm going to sit right here. It's what happens. It's just like when we were ascending the mountain in the physical we had to decide what was enough for us. Oh, here comes my story, Nate. We were out on that Canyon Ridge Trail is what it's called, I think. And we were out on that trail, and there was this part. Um, Nate is not afraid of heights. He just doesn't really like them. So he likes to keep his, he's weighed the cost, and he prefers to keep the risk a little lower. And so, but, man. Just like our Heavenly Father, what I saw in, in Nathaniel and in Wade, but what was really cool to see it in Nate, he's 22 and he's not married, so he doesn't have the weight of all that responsibility, but what I saw in him was the protector, and that's like Abba is with us. He was so protective. He, he was like in guard dog mode, you know, like making sure that Sophie and I, because we were the risk takers, mostly, on this mountain that we were okay. And so we were walking out on this ledge, and there are lots of people, but on that one where Sophie is out on the top of that spot, there's, it, it kind of narrows. It's very jagged, and you have to walk up and over, and the sides get more and more narrow, and so then there's just nothing <laughs> for a long way. Like, you can't see to the bottom. I don't know how far down. It was, what elevation were we at? We had to at least be 6,000 feet. So 6,000 feet. And um, so he goes, I heard him say, you know, he's a, Nate's not a, he uses his words wisely. And he goes, okay, that's enough. <laughs> and I said, I knew what he was saying. He hadn't said anything. He'd walked all the way up there. He'd gotten out on that pinnacle, and he was like, this is enough. I'm not going any further. But 
what happened was <laughs> the people that he was protecting were going further and further. And so then he would come along a little bit further and a little bit further. And then he'd be like, okay, no, this is really as far as I'm going. <laughs> and he found himself going further than what he would have. And we can find that too as we come into community with each other. What we think is our limit when we come into community with other believers who are chasing after God and in pursuit of him and they're hungry and they're wanting more of him and what we think is our enough becomes not our enough anymore. This hunger begins to grow in us and we want to go further. We want to go with them because we want to see and experience what they're seeing and experiencing. That's how iron sharpens iron. That's how we stir up each other to faith and good works. Is because we encourage each other along. We didn't force him to come along. We were like, okay, if this is far enough for you, that's all right. You came a long way. So I'm, I'm content if you're content. But all it took was for us to go a little further where we couldn't, he couldn't see us. And then he needed to come a little bit further out there. So God is looking for us to expand. And we have to allow ourselves the freedom to do that, to not be enslaved to this place that we were born of the slave of the old covenant, but we're under the new covenant. And Jesus desires to take us further. So I want to go back to verse 27. For it is written, burst forth with gladness, rejoice, O barren woman, this is in Galatians, with no children, break through with the shouts of joy and jubilee, for you are about to give birth. The one who was once considered desolate and barren now has more children than the one who has a husband, Sarah, because they had a covenant promise of many descendants. And they did. Isaac, who bore many children. And we come in under that covenant. Just like Isaac, we're now the true children who inherit the kingdom promises. And just as the son of the natural world at the time harassed the son born of the power of the Holy Spirit, so it is today. And what does the scripture tell us? Expel the slave mother with her son. Expel the slave woman, the mother with her son. Get rid of it. So that's shutting the mouth of the lion, the lies of the enemy that keep us believing the old covenant and the old way of being. Thank you. <laughs> so we don't live in the natural world, although we live in the natural world. We're not partakers of the natural world. We have to be daughters and sons of the free woman. And it really is our choice and our decision. Are we going to allow ourselves to be limited by the things in this world? Or are we going to go where God is leading us? And it is a place where we don't always have the answers. And it is a place of supernatural. It's a supernatural realm. And the things that he has for us there to experience and to see... What I would not have seen had I not been willing to climb the mountain. Oh, my. There are things I can't even put in words. 
And it's the same with our experience with God. There are things that he wants us to experience with him that cannot be explained by words and logic and in the natural. It's because he is supernatural and it is of a supernatural nature. It's not meant to be explained. He's meant to be experienced. He really is. And I'm not telling you to leave your brain at home. Engage it to the will of God. Engage it to the will and the purpose of God. Sanctify that thing. Cast down the imaginations. The son of the slave woman will not be a true heir. For the true heir of the promise is the son of the free woman. It's now so obvious. We're not the children of the slave woman. We're the supernatural sons of the free woman. Sons of grace. I've been asking God to give me understanding where my ability to see is lacking. That's what I want. I know that he has showed me a vision of us ascending the mountain. He said, ascend the mountain with me. Come higher with me. And I believe Wade is now planning to teach it well you about hunger. And so I encourage you next Sunday night to be here for that teaching. Because there are places that he, you know, is, is it, isn't it a Dr. Seuss? Oh, the places you could go. Isn't that a Dr. Seuss book? <laughs> oh, the places you could go. And I feel like that's what he's saying to us. Oh, the places you could go if you'll come with me. All the places you could go, the things that I could show you. Come up here. Come up here. Come with me. Let me show you. You don't have to live in the natural realm that keeps you beat down and in slavery and bondage. But you can live in a place of supernatural understanding and awareness. And it's us spending time with him. He's given us an invitation to ascend, to ascend the mountain. This is an opportunity to expand in our reach and our understanding of who he is, to go higher and deeper in him. What happens when something wants or needs to grow? It has two tendencies. One is to modify what is presently happening to allow for room to expand or grow. So if, if you have a plant, you go and you buy a plant at the nursery, 98% of the time, that thing is root-bound. You have to transplant that into a bigger container. You have to put it into soil that will nurture it and allow those roots to spread out. And then that plant will grow bigger and fuller. Or you can choose to stay or keep that plant in that small pot. And that plant will not grow to its full potential. It will stay the size of the container that it is in. It's just like those balloons. He desires to blow that balloon up with his breath, you, to as full a capacity and to overflowing as possible. He will fill you according to your hunger. And so we are the limitation on that. Our vessel is the limitation. 
There are many things. I just was wondering where this was going to come in at some point. But there, there's this neat little trick. And I've been cutting up with Brittany about it all week. And I learned this while we were on vacation. That my phone has the ability to give power to other phones. So I can take my phone and lay your phone on it. If it's low in juice and it needs battery. And it will charge just by laying it on there. By touching it. And so... There have been many opportunities this past week to talk about this. And it's a very interesting thing because there are some things I can share with you. Karen, there are things that I can share with you. I can, I can share anointing. I can impart uh, gifting. I can gifts of the Spirit. There are things like that I can share with you. But what I cannot share with you is my oil. And that is found in the secret place. And that's the oil of the Holy Spirit. And when we talk about our vessels, and we talk about a new wineskin, that wineskin, in order for it to become new again, has to be submerged in oil. And just like those balloons, it will create an opportunity for that vessel to be able to contain what is being poured into it. Just like the ten virgins, five of them had oil and five of them did not. And they looked, and it can, depending upon our lens of which we read scripture, we can look at it as, why wouldn't they just given them some oil? Because my oil is obtained in intimacy. Your oil is obtained in intimacy. I can share some things with you, knowledge. Wisdom, understanding, but I cannot share my oil. And you cannot share yours with me. Unlike Moses, who ascended the mountain to bring down the message of the Lord, and the worship team can come back up. Because the Israelites didn't want to ascend the mountain, They didn't want to go into the presence. They were scared. They were scared. They didn't want to go into the thunder and the lightning. They wanted to stay away. They were like, no, Moses, you go and then bring back the word of the Lord for us. And there are some things about that that they can do, but they will never have had the encounter that Moses had. They will have never experienced him face to face if they did not ascend and come into his presence face to face. They will not have experienced him the way that Moses had. Such, in such a manner that his glory, God's glory was transferred onto Moses' face. And it shone. It was shiny. They could not even look upon him because of the glory That was on him. In Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 18, it talks about that we could come to him with unveiled faces, being transformed from glory to glory. That's a paraphrase. It's not in full. But I'm beginning to see the connection here.
And in that passage of scripture, it says that we do not receive the glory that Moses did that fades away. But we receive the glory that transforms us into our intended likeness is what that means. Transforms us like new into what we had been intended and purposed for. The only other place that that word transformed is used in Scripture, that same reference is on the Mount of Transfiguration where Jesus was transfigured before his disciples. He was transfigured into glory on the earth. It's the same thing that he desires for us is to be transfigured, transformed, And I know, because I sense it in the Spirit, I know that's why he had us read Isaiah. That you have felt barren, and you're like, well, I, I hear, but I, I'm walking through what I'm walking through. And my life's not reflecting the transformation of the glory. But I want to live under the covenant that God has said I could be a part of. But he says it in the last verse. Behold, in Isaiah 54... I have created the blacksmith who blows the coals in the fire, the breath of God, <laughs> who brings forth an instrument for his work. And I have created the spoiler to destroy. He has created a spoiler to destroy that which desires to devour you. No weapon, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. And every tongue which rises against you in judgment, you shall condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. And their righteousness is from me, says the Lord. You, O oh barren woman, you are no longer. You are a partaker of the freeborn woman, Sarah. And we get to live in that place where there are no limits for us. No limits. And you may have hit a place that feels like a plateau. You can stand with me. The worship team is actually going to sing. I asked them to sing a song, and we're just going to see. I'm not even sure. Okay. Okay.
Look, God wants to do something in your life today. And you're beyond your circumstances and your situations. And you've exhausted all resources that you have to shift and change things in the natural. And without God moving, standing on His promise, and if today hasn't taught us anything, I believe it's taught us that as we declare the word of the Lord, that it creates an alignment in the heavenlies and not just our alignment with God's will for who we are and what He's called us to, but it creates an alignment within us, this triune being that we are, our soul, our spirit, and our flesh. We want to thank you for listening in today. At The Well, we believe in cultivating a culture for more of God. Wherever you are in your relationship and walk with God, we believe that there is always more for those who diligently seek after Him. If you would like to find out more, please check out our website at thewellmichigan.com and connect with us on social media.